I'd like to move us on to the third part of this panel discussion. Obviously, we've seen a lot of changes in the molecules we're working with recently and some of the technologies we're working with as well. I just wondered whether any of the panelists have any particular opinions on new technologies they'd like to see, problems that are arising that they really don't have a good solution for at the moment and they'd really like some new technologies to come out and what those might be. Something that will allow us to have a more integrated approach across multiple disciplines because when we're thinking about the patient and we're thinking about the sample, but often it's multiple samples for many different endpoints. So you've got PK, you've got biomarkers, and I just wondered if we could look at it more holistically to be able to get more with less, so combine some of those analyses in a better way. Yeah, I mean, you look at... The average study reference manual for a clinical study and the number of samples that are collected that go off to different places to be analysed in different ways. Um, there must be some something we can do about that with all those different coloured caps on different tubes that go off to 20 different laboratories around the world. There's got to be a better way of doing that. Yeah. Well, I, I recently heard someone mentioning that we should move into the direction where the LCMS is placed in the uh, in the central lab, where most of the samples end up uh, from the clinical studies, just to prove improve the efficiency. So we have clinical analyzers, and from there the sample goes on to the mass pick where the the PK assay is uh, is, uh, is is run. So maybe that's that's uh, an idea for the future to look into that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of consideration about making the, the sampling more patient-centric and making the analysis, bringing it a little bit closer to mm -hmm. the patient as well. I don't know how easy that will be to do in a regulated fashion in a central laboratory for the kind of assays we run for pharmacokinetics where we're not repeating the same assay over and over for year after year. But you know, maybe there's some smart people out there that have some solutions. There's no harm asking. Because the, the approach that we've had to PK bioanalysis has been the same for many, many years. You know, I think 25 years ago when mass spec was sort of introduced, that we've been doing it the same way for a very long time. Mm -hmm. and, and it feels like there's a real opportunity to get some disruptive technology in place in order to, you know, what, what's the next innovation? How are we going to do this smarter in future? I'm not sure that there's a lot of there's a lot of investigation into disruptive technology in this space. Perhaps that's because of the regulations being seen as a large blocker. So we're just using the same approaches all the time. So it would be nice to see that you know there's a regulation that would allow us to to do some of that innovation and implement those technologies quickly rather than having to take very many years in order to prove lots of different things before it's accepted. And even then, when we think we've got all the information available for, that proves that it's acceptable, they still ask us to do things that don't make sense. Yeah, I think this really ties into the, the question number two we just discussed about regulations. Because I mentioned, Amanda, you were mentioning that now is the chance to make it uh, good to, with this uh, ICH M10 discussions, but I mean, the, the, the regulations are always based on you have one BA lab and all the samples from the different sites come to that one BA lab and everything is done in that one BA lab. But if you, if you 
start thinking out of the box that uh, the, the analysis should be closer to the patient, then you will no longer have the situation where the samples from different sites are analyzed in one lab. No, they will analyzed be analyzed locally. So it, will, it, will, it would be interesting to see how regulators are responding to that. Yeah, a very interesting cross-validation exercise, yeah. I think. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> But since we're on the topic of uh, technology, one thing that comes to my mind is we've all worked with LCMS for so many years now and still we're, su we're suffering from um, iron suppression. So I wonder whether we once will see the day where uh, vendors have come to a solution and we, we no longer have to worry about uh, iron suppression in, in our mass specs. Because I think it's still it causing us troubles if we have if we if we analyze patient samples and we see strange things and 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 differences in internal in internal standard responses which we were not really able to explain i i believe part of that has to do with uh, with ion suppression so i i really i'm really looking forward to uh, to a vendor that comes up to with a solution for that that's a good point. I mean, mass spectrometry in lots of ways hasn't moved on very much. I mean, time of flights have been around a long time. Um, all the instrument, you know, the, the computing is the thing that's probably allowed a lot of those those technologies to become more accessible. But ionization hasn't moved very much. You know, you've got uni spray and you know thingy spray and duty spray. But, you know, they're all essentially electrospray. So, what does it need to make that? step change happen and there's been a lot of talk about high resolution mass spectrometry what what's needed for something like high resolution mass spectrometry to make the big breakthrough into regulated by analysis i don't think some people are doing it already just from what you read whether or not they're bringing it in doing it in regulatory studies i'm not sure but somebody kind of has to take the first step don't they yeah. And it was just like the same as we moved away from HPLC to LCMS. We did it. Yeah. You know, we did speak to the regulators, but ultimately we just sort of did it. I think maybe learning from the past, not just one company doing that on their own, but moving forward as a group of companies together is, is maybe the wisest move now because it may feel slower in the short term, but I think in the long term you've got a better chance of adoption if, yeah. if a bunch of companies come together and they're all saying the same thing. And you've got more data to look at as well and yeah. show, show and tell is yeah. always good. A consortium approach yeah. is really powerful yeah. and let the data speak for itself. Great. I think the cycle of capital equipment, you know, within businesses like mine is slow. You know, how quickly can we buy mass specs? One a year, you know, depending on how profitable the company's been, I guess. But I think the issue comes down to the relationship between pharma and CROs as well, and this isn't meant to be a negative thing. You know, I think there's a tension in the industry because a company like mine has outsourced most of its work. If we want to do high-res work in the late phase, the CRO has to take that risk with the asset mm -hmm. and also with the technology. <coughs> and that balance between the two you know where that innovate. You know where does the where does the person you know at the CRO or the farmer step forward and say we absolutely need that? I think 
we're at a point where it's really hard for either to move. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in, in the past, usually the situation was that in the pharma company, um, they invested in, in uh, looking into new, new technologies, they applied into their studies, and then once the, the, the compound move, moved on, they transfer the assay to the CRO, and the CRO has to invest in that kind of equipment to, to be able to run the assay. But now we're in a situation where m many of the pharmaceutical companies have outsourced all their late-stage work, and there's not a lot of opportunities for the pharma to, to invest in these new, new technologies and, and apply and learn on, on the new technologies and then transfer the assay because they don't have the samples anymore to, to test the assays on. So now we're in a situation where I think innovation should more and more also come from the CROs. And then we squeeze on cost. Yeah. <laughs> it's Agreed. a cycle. That's what I mean. We're in this cycle. We've invented, we've created a cycle which makes it really hard for us to mm. make big step changes Absolutely. you know unless somebody comes in you know would be a pharma company or a small CRO and completely <coughs> disrupt the market I think you know that's the point at which you know the big changes will happen but you know I think the cycle we're, we're locked in a strange cycle with one it's a strange dance yeah. you know around cost <laughs> and right. innovation mm. I agree. so one potential solution is to get involved within the vendors of all types of technology because they can be creative and they do talk to pharma and they do talk to CROs and if they've got something out there they want to get it out there so for instance we have some technology in our lab that we are helping them evaluate so there are some things that CROs can do and it comes back to those relationships so if you have good relationships with some vendors there are ways maybe we can help each other. So it won't be the whole story or the whole solution, but I think maybe there's things that we can do to look at some of these things and get some data out there, get it published, get the posters. So maybe that's something we could do a bit more. And, and you know, the farm can, could get involved. It could be a three-way thing. You know, if it's a, a, a CRO that you have a relationship with, you know, you could talk to them, talk to a vendor, you know, and definitely have a three-way sort of thing going on. I think the large molecule bioanalysis um, area is a really good example of that. It's probably a bugbear for you guys as well if you're spending $60,000 on trypsin, you know, and the workflows are long. And uh, there are some solutions out there, but, you know, I, they were built for proteomics where they're doing a few samples and they may have an on-column digestion for eight minutes or whatever, but actually, you know, Probably in a CRO like pharma, we'd rather parallelize that process and we'd rather, you know, look at the data in a different way. And I think that's crying out for, for that particular interaction with vendors. So, in a building on the kind of relationships we were talking about earlier, we're talking about a new relationship where pharma CROs and multiple vendors come together to say what they want, you know. Is that the kind of thing we envisage, or is this more individual companies working with individual companies? It could be both, but I like the word that Amanda used, like consortia. If you can have that, you know, maybe something that's going on in different parts of the world, you know, something in the UK, the US, wherever it may be, that would be very powerful. But it's about getting the right people together and making it happen. I think it's powerful. 
I've heard some discussions from some senior people at vendor companies that are quite open to kind of running workshops across pharmacy CROs that the output would also be shared with other vendor organizations and then they each go off to think about their own solutions to the information they've just heard. I think that's interesting and quite exciting because I don't think that I've seen that happen anywhere before. I think it's that trust, it comes down to a trust thing. If, um, if you wanted to look at capillary electrophoresis, right, for large molecule separations instead of the normal way, and you were in a consortium and another company did that work, would you trust that data and say, actually, I'm going to go and buy one of those pieces of, of kit? But, you know, we're so squashed for money and time. Wouldn't it be great if actually you could trust another vendor to do, another company to do some of that work in a consortium and then the industry believes that that is the way to go forward, yeah. you know. Did you think a framework? Or an, a framework that has a, a, about the approach that you would take to that evaluation that we could agree across CRO and pharma could be useful so that at least then there's some harmonization of approach to evaluation, that we then expect certain data sets to come through, certain standards or approaches to be taken. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, I mean, you'd buy everybody in, in that, you know, ultimately, if you had farmer and CROs and vendors sitting in that room, everybody knows that the late stage pipeline may move to no analytical methodologies and everyone's had some skin in the game. It may not seem such a risky investment, and it may not seem such a risky thing for us to do either. You know, in, on a on a product. I, I I love the direction this discussion is going because uh, for CROs, uh, capital is a big deal, and it, it's very difficult for us to invest uh, uh, on a whim or with any uncertainty. Um, what uh, what is happening, I think, a little bit with us is that uh, some of the experimentation or some of the evaluation of kit that's going on amongst all pharma and biotech um, does get reflected to us um, and in that when we start hearing, uh, you know, this tool is very interesting to us, or you know, do you support it? And we start hearing that from multiple clients. We start to get the feel, okay, uh, it's sort of shaking out, uh, and this is the way it's going to go, and maybe it's time for us to get on board and start supplying this. So even though it's not done in, in a collegial and cooperative way, which would be ideal, you know, the, the, the capitalistic process, as it were, it does start to filter these devices into ones that are actually useful to the industry and ones that are not. Um, so by the time we pull the trigger, it's because we've heard from enough people, this is likely the way to go and this is going to make a difference for in the future. It doesn't address the, your point, which I thought was very interesting, that you, you know, pharma who outsource too much have sort of taken away their ability to do R&D. That, that's sad. That's that's a pity, I think. And, but I would certainly invite, um, you know, partnerships or discussions with CROs to do that kind of work as well. We work very hard to keep high quality scientists on board, um, and they get a little bored, uh, and they get a little, you know, <laughs> they need to have uh, some. Well, that's interesting. You know, why don't we try that? And for you know, modest costs, you know, and, and a good relationship, that's the kind of stuff that I can think can be built into our interactions, at least to some extent. Um, 
and, and uh, as a little bit of an aside, maybe I'm answering a third question here, apologies. Um, in the large molecule space, uh, sensitivity is becoming a huge issue uh, for us, um, for you, for pharmaceuticals, uh, especially when it comes to multifunctional molecules, um, where, where, where the dosing of the molecule becomes so low uh, that it's really starting to reach beyond uh, the kit that we have now. Uh, so for us, you know, maybe there's not a new technology out there or, or a new approach that needs to be invented, but that's certainly the kind of kit that we're looking at because those molecules are becoming more and more common. How do you do ADA on a multifunctional molecule? You know exactly, uh, you know, which targets are you looking for, um, you know, occlusion. Um, those are important things that we start to think about with you uh, as in the large molecule space. So are the particular areas in this discussion of a more collaborative, collegial way of moving forward, are there particular areas that maybe as an overall industry of CROs, pharma, vendors, that we could focus on to begin with, with something like that? You know, is there a standard specification for a resolution mass spectrometry or, you know, as we were talking earlier, data integrity software systems, things like that. Is there some areas we could start thinking about doing this. Any thoughts? Or are those? Are they, did I give the answers? You said a couple. I mean, I you know I think the biofarm LCMS area. There's a kind of several horse race. You have restricted digestion, which has a lot of faults in it. Then you have things like IDES or IDES, which makes larger subunits. Do you go for a time of flight instrument? Do you go for an Orbitrat, which is a big investment? You know, I think there's lots of things around that area where, you know, it, it would be it would be good. Data integrity is an interesting one as well because you'd really need the vendors on board. Yeah. So, I think there's quite a a list there of of things that are reasonably immediate that are happening now and are taking a lot longer than any of us want to because each company's doing a little bit on its own. But maybe if each company put that little bit of resource into a bigger group, would that work? Would that fly? Is that something that could be made to happen? With the patient sampling as well, I mean, there's a lot of activity around DBS. You know, lots of, there was consortia that looked at all those sort of areas, but that's gone. You know, maybe... I don't see so much of that now, oh, whereas... We might be trying to do something about that. Yeah, <clears throat> but, but you'd, that sort of near-patient near sampling and near-patient analysis is an area where I don't think any company on its own could, yeah. could, could even get anywhere near the money or the resources to, to get that up and running. No, absolutely. I know with the near-patient sampling, even with the, the innovator companies, that's it's a really tough thing for them to develop a medical device basically for a company that started off from a, from a few people so you know we're looking at ways that they can help each other in a, in a non-competitive way that's not going to affect pricing that's not going to be seen by regulators as conspiring to put the price up or whatever but how they can help each other to actually progress products that you need and many, many other places outside of pharmaceutical companies need these technologies as well. And that, that's another thing that we sometimes forget. We get very self-centered. 
in our technologies for quantitative bioanalysis, but actually there's, and I think we're increasingly seeing with, with biomarkers and all the things that we're working with now, that there are a lot of other technologies out there that help us solve problems with the molecules that we've got, and we're all learning very quickly about it. I know having conversations with some of you around the table, you're all on steep learning curves about new technologies, which is really interesting. So thank you for a really interesting discussion there. It went in some directions I wasn't expecting it to, but actually I kind of liked some of the ideas that came out of this, and I hope you know, we can follow up on this in, in some future discussions, and I'll certainly be writing this up in the manuscript that's going to come out of this discussion. And... Uh, look forward to further discussions on some of the ideas we've had. So thank you all for attending today and uh, look forward to seeing us all online. Because if they, if they are, are, being in, um, are being an innovative, innovative? Can I just stop that one? <laughs> <laughs> Get your right teeth in. <laughs> Bender's been innovative. Okay. So I think one possible solution could be to get the vendors on board. Um, they can be innovative. <laughs> <laughs> Use another word. <laughs>